Welcome back, friends. In our last episode, we learned that Tina Milford was on the night shift at Little Cricket Convenience Store in Anderson, South Carolina, when she disappeared. After speaking to the police, this was reclassified as a presumed kidnapping. This is Episode 2, The Investigation. The residents of Anderson woke up to the news on Friday, the 24th of June, 1983, and a shockwave of horror spread through the community. Search parties were organized, and everyone began frantically searching for Tina. They searched high and low, looking everywhere that she might go, calling everyone she knew, but they found nothing. Nobody had heard from Tina. There were no sightings of Tina. There were no clues of Tina's whereabouts. It was if she had disappeared off the face of the earth. <laughs> Tina's family were distraught. Her 18-month-old daughter, Crystal, cried for her mom, and nobody wanted to give up the search. But as the sun set, they were forced to go home and spend a restless night wondering what had happened to Tina. Their minds racing with images of the horrors that lurked in the back of their imaginations. Where was Tina? What happened to make her leave her job, her family, and her daughter? Late morning the following day, their wait was over. There was news. Unfortunately, it was not the news they were hoping for. The police report says, quote, On the 25th of June, 1983, at approximately 11.30am, a dispatch received a call from Olin Humphrey, number redacted, stating that he had found a body in a field on Frontage Road, at the Highway 86 exit off of I-85. The body was spotted by some people picking up beer cans, Edmund Beeks Jr., R.T. Beeks, and Lugenia Croft, all of Route 3 River Road, Piedmont 2693810, were in a van and gone around the circle and was at the lower side when they saw the body at the edge of the woods. They didn't stop, they met an Olin Humphrey and told him what they had seen. Officers went to the scene and tentatively identified the body as that of Tina Marie Milford. The area was secured and SLED lab was notified. At approximately 3pm, the sled agent David Caldwell arrived. He processed the scene and a pair of blue jeans and bra were found a short distance from the body. Also, an RP-25 calibre cartridge case was found a few feet from the body. The body was transported to the hospital by the Pelzer Rescue Squad. On the 26th of June 1983, the body was carried to Charleston and accompanied by Detective Dean Holm, where an autopsy was performed. A preliminary report indicated that she was shot once in the left side of the head with a small calibre gun.
the family's dreams of finding Tina alive were shattered. Her body, dumped on a grassy verge by the edge of the woods, just off Elrod Road, yards from exit 35 off Highway I-85, 15 miles away from where she went missing. When Tina was discovered, she was lying face up on the grass, naked from the waist down. Tina was still wearing her Harley Davidson t-shirt that displayed a picture of an eagle with a ribbon beneath it that read, anything else is un-American, followed by established 1903. On her left hand was the ring that she always wore that had a small clear stone. Around 35 feet from her body, the sled or South Carolina Law Enforcement Division investigator found a tampon, a bra, and Tina's jeans. There was a single bullet wound on the left side of Tina's head. As Tina had laid in the sun for over 24 hours, her body showed signs of decomposition when she was found. The autopsy report noted that a bullet was recovered from Tina's brain and described the bullet as entering the face just in front of her left ear. There were no signs of sexual assault. Obviously, Tina's parents were devastated by the news of their daughter's death, but they wanted answers. They wanted to know why this happened and who done it. Hi, I'm Jamie, host of Murderish, a podcast that gives you a 3D look at gripping murder cases. Just the facts, no banter. By the end of each episode, you'll know who was involved, details of the crime, and the trial. Also featured on Murderish is my personal story about the time a strange man followed me home and entered my bedroom. Listening to this podcast doesn't make you a murderer. It just means you're murder-ish. That's murder with ish at the end. Murderish. Listen to Murderish on the iHeart app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At this point, we think it is useful to back up a little and run through the events leading up to Tina's murder. Let's go back a few months. Tina was working at Little Cricket on the State 28 bypass in Anderson one night when it was robbed. She was beaten during the robbery and this had shaken her up. Following the incident, she requested a move to a different location. And this is how Tina ended up working at Little Cricket, just off I-85 in Anderson County. Sometime before she started work, on Thursday the 23rd of June 1983, Tina purchased drugs from Jimmy Golden, one of the primary drug dealers in the Anderson area around this time. It is not confirmed who the drugs were for, but a number of witnesses said that Tina was purchasing meth for Tony. Tony allegedly had a $3,000 debt with Golden, and until this was paid, Golden was holding Tony's Harley Davidson as collateral. Witnesses who came forward said that they believed the debt would mean that Tony would not want to go near Golden. Golden, however, in his latest statement to the police, said that both Tina and Tony had turned up to purchase the drugs. I guess we will never know the truth about whether Tony was there or not, but 
we do know that Tina was there. And it has also been confirmed that Tina was purchasing three and a half grams of meth or an eight ball of crank. We then know that about an hour before Tina's shift was due to start, she had car troubles, which meant that she was running late. This is what Janie, Tina's mother, told police. Worried that she was going to be late for work, Tina called Tony, who told her to take their daughter Crystal to his mother's home, and Tina could then borrow her mother-in-law's Ford station wagon. This is the vehicle that would later be found in the parking lot outside Little Cricket. Tina arrived at work for a midnight shift. She wasn't actually supposed to be working that night, but was doing an extra shift to cover a co-worker who was unwell. Once she arrived, she settled in and had taken off her sandals as she always did, as she preferred to work barefoot. Her flannel shirt hung nearby in case she needed to do any work inside a cooler. This was to be her last night shift, as she had asked to move to mornings instead. As it turned out, this was not only Tina's last night shift, but Tina's last shift, full stop. We know from the police report and witness statements that Tina's colleague Tammy left the store at around 1.10am. Tina called her mother Janie just before 1.30am when she cut the call short as a customer had come into the store. At around 1.30am, Benjamin R. McManus, a vagrant, purchased a drink from Tina. He later said that when he left, she was talking to two white males. And we know that by 2.45am, when Levis Smith entered the store, Tina was gone. Anderson County Coroner Greg Shaw had the following to say. She was last seen at like 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning at the uh, gas station there at exit 21. Around 2 or 3 o'clock, there was nobody around. There were some shoes sitting on the sidewalk there beside the station and her personal belongings were inside. It was, you know, one or two o'clock in the morning when she was abducted. So what exactly happened in the store between 1.30am and 2.45am? Did Benjamin R. McManus see the killers while he was purchasing his drink? Or were they innocent customers? Was Tina targeted? Or was she in the wrong place at the wrong time? Sadly, while there are a lot of theories on what happened to Tina on the 24th of June, 1983, Tina's murderer has never been found. Over the years, many detectives have reopened the files to try and see if they have any new leads, to see if there are any new advances that could help solve the case, or to see if a fresh pair of eyes picks up something that they have missed all those years ago. Back in 2009, Coroner Greg Shore was one of the people working the case. Uh, as coroner, you run into cases where you find that the cases are never solved and families are calling and asking questions and it just breaks your heart to hear what they're going through when they're not getting answers, the case goes cold. and. Yes, probably 15 years ago, I decided that I would just try to look at some of these cold cases and see if any of them could be solved. And I reached out to Martin Elrod, who at that time was state constable. Martin had a lot of interest in helping. He had retired as a 
police chief at West Pelzer Police Department and as a sheriff's investigator. And he had a lot of experience and knowledge. So we pulled five or six cold cases out and I started looking at them. Tina Milford's case was one of them. And, uh, over time, over three or four years, maybe longer, we interviewed a lot of people just trying to see if we could find a pathway to get this case solved. And during our work, we certainly figured out how it happened, why it happened, and who was involved. But we've not found one person that's willing to be a witness that could allow us to uh, charge somebody. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Now with DNA and all this new method that uh, are at our fingertips, we're looking at these cases again, and we hope that by looking at the cases again and you, know, you uh, doing a podcast and getting this information out to the public, that we might get a lead that breaks this case wide open, and that's really what we need. Uh, Tina's family uh, you know, deserves to know. Uh, her parents have now passed, so they know the story once they got to heaven, but and the sister she needs to know and uh yeah, we'll continue to uh chase leads and i hope this podcast that you're doing will uh open some doors and that this dna discovery and things that are coming together might also help so uh, let's just pray that we get a break for the Belford family According to statistics, the average person walks past 36 murderers in their lifetime. Oh my God, she was murdered. It was a murder. Unlike in Hollywood movies, they're not easy to spot. Where is she, buddy? Where is she? The devil made me turn her into ashes. They seamlessly blend into our everyday lives, assuming roles as friendly neighbors, helpful colleagues, or even the person lying beside you each night. I wanted to be out of jail. I couldn't wait till I got out. I was in there with someone who was clearly psychopathic. Using investigative research and primary audio, Morbidology is an award-winning true crime podcast that shines a light on the darkest corners of humanity. Through our investigation, we have attained evidence, which we are not releasing at this time, which leads us to believe Jolene is not alive. Tune in to Morbidology each week across all podcast platforms. The Anderson County Sheriff's Office made the following plea. Tina Milford's case is a case that has had several eyes, several detectives on it since 1983 when it happened. So the magnitude of this crime has not been washed away or diminished in any way just because of that time, those 40 years. Our office, we're continuing to stand behind the push for justice for this mom and this woman. In recent years, what we've done is we've advanced, you know, we've used advanced DNA technology and that testing, and we've combed through this case with not just our office, but various officials across Anderson County to come to the table together to see if we can get to the bottom of this. But what we do know is there are people who are out there in this community who are right beside us some days who really hold the hidden story of what happened to Tina Milford. And we are asking for that truth to weigh on them day after day to come forward as we are trying to uncover what really happened to her. So we're asking the community to extend their hand in helping us close this case with any piece of information they have, big, small, it doesn't matter. 
it could be the key to helping close this case. So if you have any information about Tina Milford or her case, you can remain anonymous. You can call Crime Stoppers, and we have a link to that on our website as well. It's been over 40 years now since Tina was murdered. Both of Tina's parents are now deceased, along with one of her sisters. So there is just her sister, Anne, and her brother, Fred, left. They are desperate for answers, and we are hoping that 40 years on, somebody will come forward and help them to solve this case. Can you help to solve the case of the murder of Tina Milford? This is her sister, Anne. I've only got me and my brother left living. Daddy died in 01. When Tina had been deceased for nine years, her family put up the following memorial in the local newspaper. It's been nine years, agonizing years, since your life in this world ended so suddenly. Needless is our belief. At the hands of one so wicked, we still question God's will for this, and he tells us, vengeance is mine. Your presence seems so real to us, just as it did the morning that we were to return you to the ground. It seems as if you spoke as you lay. Mom and Dad, I made it. Don't fret. Then a friend came into our room, not knowing we were there, unsure of why he was headed in one way, only to reverse his direction. We know why. God led him that way. Also, some few months later, a person whom we didn't know contacted us to tell us that she led you to salvation just days before you leaving us and to soothe our minds and to make us know you were in heaven. Another stranger to us called to tell us that as a Gideon, he had been telling of your accepting the Lord. 20 to 30 people had gotten saved. Darling, we know that in due time, God's vengeance will prevail, but our minds are at rest, knowing that you are in heaven, waiting to rejoice with us some glad day. Mother and father, daughter, brothers and sisters. Thank you for listening to episode two of What Happened to Tina Milford. In episode three, we discuss some possible theories and conclude our season. If you have any information regarding the murder of Tina Milford, please contact the Anderson County Sheriff's Department, or if you prefer to remain anonymous, head over to our website, itsfoulplay.com, and tell us what you know so that we can pass it on.